My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. This episode of the Just a Mom podcast is the second in a two-part series with Beth. If you have not listened to the previous episode, please go back and listen to it before you start this one. Thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. Now here's the rest of my conversation with Beth. There was a lot on his mind. He was dealing with a lot, um, trying to deal with it all on his own. Um, I think once he stopped the um, the um, drug use, and he did have a couple of relapses, but I was, you know, he, I was always right there. I was said, it's okay. You know, I'm so proud of you, and you're doing so good, and it's okay. And but I could tell by the way that he um, would just. You know, he would be on the couch, and I could just see his mind was different places. And so I would sit down, and I would say, you know, Zach, it's okay the way you're feeling. I understand that you've got a lot. I can see it, but I wish you would go talk to somebody that can. Um, I said, you can talk to me anytime, and I want you to know that, but I wish you would go talk to somebody that can help you work through this, whatever it is that's going on in your head. And I think once he started to not be using drugs, then here washes all this guilt over him. So I think he was remembering all the horrible things that had happened or things that he'd done. Um, I think he felt that everybody was always going to look at him in a bad way. You know, he'd mention that. And I'd say, these are things you need to talk to somebody about. You know, I would tell him, it's one day at a time. Look forward. Don't look back. You know, and our relationship grew so much closer. Like I finally had my son back that I knew was there the whole time. You know, he didn't lie. Mm. You know, we could have conversations about stuff and he would listen and not get angry. I mean, it was wonderful. And so I, I, ha- I feel so grateful that that last year and a half that I had with him, our relationship was what it should have always been, you know. So... um but he, he would always just say, oh, I can, no, I'll take care of it. I don't want to go talk to somebody. They're just going to want to put me on medicine. They're just going to want to do this. I was like, no, if you go to a therapist, they don't do that. But I think he thought he could just deal with it himself. Was it a man thing, a pride thing? I don't know. Well, and his experience was with medication, not a good one from right. the first time when he was a freshman in high school. Right. That had to have been a tape that played in his mind. Yes. And I think he, yeah, I think he knew that it was, you know, that's not what he, you know, he he just, and I think that's was first and foremost. If I go to the doctor, you know, did he not trust himself either <laughs> to not say, yeah, I'll take those pills, you know, um, I can handle it, you know, when he knew he couldn't. So he was fighting a battle with himself. Um, and it, I could see it. Um, he was happy, but at the same time, he, 
you know, good things started to happen for him. Because in in the process of I let him, you know, drop out of school, he failed to get his GED. So he decided to go back. And he was like two, three weeks into getting his GED and going and he loved it. You know, uh, he got his he got his license back. He was becoming more independent through all this. Um, and so good things were happening mm-hmm. for him. And he actually said, and I had a hard time, um, not a hard time, but I was so shocked when he said, but mom, I'm really proud of myself. And I was like, you should be. I'm proud of you too, Zach. I mean, I'm so proud of you. I hadn't heard him say that in so many years. And he was finally seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So a year and a half, he was in a pretty good place, making yes. really promising forward steps. Yes. Yes. He was being a great dad. Um, he would take care of his daughter um, during the day, and then he would work in the evenings. And then his girlfriend worked during the day, so they shared that responsibility because they didn't want her to be in daycare. So, And so he did that. So we hung out a lot. Um, sure. He would go with me and, and, and his daughter and we'd have a blast. We'd take her places and do stuff during the day. And so it was so, it was just so refreshing and I was so positive and I was so happy, you know, too. Well, and to see him interacting with her in that way must have been incredibly rewarding. Yes. And we had so many conversations about parenting that I could say to him and, you know, I was like, I would tell him, I'm so proud of you, Zach. I, I said, you did not have good role models growing up as to how to be a dad. So this comes naturally to you because you are so good at it. Because we talked about how, you know, he would hold her accountable and discipline her. You know, he'd put her in time out and he'd go talk to her. He was so patient. And I didn't have to tell him how to do it. He just did it because that was a natural thing. So he was a wonderful dad, full of compassion. He loved her dearly, looked forward to I can't wait till she's playing ball. I'm going to coach her team. Um, I mean, just things were looking up. So, and he wasn't looking so down on himself because that's what drugs do too. Mm-hmm. They take you down, you know, to a level of you just feel like you're nothing. You Completely know, just, worthless. Yes, worthless. Mm. So I was starting to see him come out of that, and it was wonderful. Yes. Now we have to talk about the really hard stuff. Yeah. Not that all of this hasn't been hard. Yeah. Well, so yeah, March 24th, he went to work. Um, my son, my youngest son had been home from college on his spring break. So the Saturday before that, March 23rd, Zach cooked dinner because um, he was a fabulous cook. He cooked dinner for us all and, and together as a family. Um, we ate and then we watched the movie Sing with his daughter, Kinley. We all sat and watched it, and oh. then we danced, and that was that's something we loved to do. Um, Noah had to leave. My youngest son, Noah, had to leave that Sunday to go back to school, and I remember Zach coming in the kitchen, and uh, <laughs> he hugged him goodbye. Um, he hugged Noah goodbye, and he said, I love you, man. Gave him this huge, huge hug, and Zach said, I probably won't see you because I have to go to work. And so Zach had to work on Sunday, and um, so he left. He, was, he didn't typically work all a whole day, and 
but he worked part-time pretty much in the evenings and stuff. And he was telling me that he was had a lot of anxiety. And he's like, oh, I hate my job. I hate... And we had talked about that, you know, okay, it's okay for you to hate your job. Let's look... Why don't you look for something else that can fit with your schedule and while you're getting your GED? And so he was in the process of it, looking for a job. But he went to work and he came home that night um, and he got home about 1030, I guess. And, um, he was fine. We talked about his day. He said it sucked. I'm glad it's over. He said, but at least I'll have more money in my bank account. And I said, yeah, you can look at the positive on that. And, and so we probably talked for half an hour. Um, I said, well, there's pizza in the fridge. If you want some pizza, um, he goes, well, I'm gonna take a shower. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm exhausted, but just know there's pizza in the oven. And I said, um, I got to get to bed cause I got to get up and go to work in the morning. And he said, well, I'll probably see you in the morning cause I got to pick up my daughter, Kenley, um, too. And I said, okay, I'll see you in the morning. And I said, well, I love you and I'll see you in the morning then. And he said, okay. And I went to bed and I woke up. My alarm went off about five, and when I woke up, I sleep upstairs, and it's like a Jack and Jill bathroom. The door, the door to the bathroom was shut, and then, but I could hear his TV on, and I woke up and I went in there, and um, was looking for him, and I found him um, slumped over his daughter's crib, and she wasn't there that night because he was going so he she was with, and he was slumped over. Uh, his daughter's crib, and I ran over there, um, and I could just, I, t I knew, at that moment, I, I knew, I think he's gone, but I got him off of the crib and laid him on the floor, and I immediately called 911, and then I called for my husband, and then he was giving him CPR, um, and so, um, it's, so when I called 911, I had to wait for them. And he was talking to me on the phone and they passed my house mm. and I had my phone because we live out in the country and our house is off the road. So I've got my light on my phone waving it and I guess they saw it and they turned around and then I mean, we were just berated with people in the house. I laid in the kitchen floor because I couldn't get away from I, I, there, there was not a window where I didn't see sirens or lights or police cars. And they kept saying, don't come upstairs, don't come upstairs. I called my daughter, and she was freaking out. She's like, what do I do? I was like, I don't know. But I said, I think he's dead. And the whole time I prayed, God, if you want him, take him now. But I did not want them to revive him, and then he's on a respirator and then I have to turn around and make that decision. So I was like, if that's, if this is what you want, take him now. And so they gave him, I think four vials of Narcan. If I remember right, um, they would keep coming downstairs to give us updates. And I was like, just don't come down. Just don't. I, I it was, it was the most horrible. I can't even describe it. Feeling. And I just laid on the kitchen floor in the corner. And finally they came down and said, there's nothing we can do, he's gone. And I think I already knew that, you know, when I saw him. So 
that's forever embedded. And I think the hardest part is to know that there's another guilt, is there was a door, one one door that divided us, you know, that if that door would have been open, you know, that goes to the bathroom, would it have made a difference? Would have you, what, maybe, what if he walked in to where I was sleeping? Then maybe I could have saved him, but he didn't. He walked into his bedroom. And so I think he, um, I think his anxiety and things, I think that was a trigger. And I think his plan was to just, I'm just going to do this one more time. You know, he didn't plan it because he was telling me his plans for the next day. Right. This was not something that he planned on happening. Right. So, um, the detectives, the police said that they found heroin, which I didn't know he used. But there again, the the, the oh, oxys and all that was harder to find because they were buckling down on prescriptions, you know, so people. So um, it was heroin. They found some in the bathroom, so he didn't even use it all. And so I think a lot of it was that his body was not used to um, the drug if you don't, you know. And I think that's probably why he overdosed is because his body was not used to it. And you believe that the year and a half prior to that, he had been clean or not using drugs. Yeah, because he was with me. Uh, he, and he you was, knew He was working. He was. he was, yeah. I mean, he had had two other relapses prior mm-hmm. during that year and a half, you know, and that I knew of and I saw. But he didn't, um, he was home on the weekends, Um you know, his daughter was his priority. He had a, f- a friend that he would go out with, which I trusted. And I knew that if he went out with him, it, it, you know. And so, yeah, I knew he wasn't, you know, not like, you know, wasn't using. Yeah. What were the days and weeks and months like after you lost that? Oh, uh, a fog, just a fog. Um, it's not real. I don't remember the service. It, you know, you're just, um, his daughter, Kenley, I quit work and I wanted to take care of her during the day like he was. I didn't want her schedule to change. So she was actually my savior. She's the one that made me get up and get out of bed and function. Um, but I, I couldn't wait for her to lay down for a nap so I could sleep. So I did a lot of laying on the couch, a lot of sleeping, um, a fog. I probably that first year, I don't really remember. And it's probably just been recently that I've kind of come out of my fog. Um, It'll be four years, March 25th. So the third year has been a little bit more eye-opening for me as to um, where I could think. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, I just... The first two years, I just don't, you know, I just existed. Mm-hmm. You went through the motions. Yeah, I went through the motions and I just existed. And so by this this last third year, it's been a little bit more easier for me to um, function, I should say, and do things. At the same time, I was taking care of my mother. Um mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, I took care of her for seven years because she had dementia yeah. and COPD. That's a lot. And so I was taking care of her too. So um, I just existed. You know, I just existed. I did start in therapy. 
and that helped me a lot. I, um, it's interesting because I had just really gotten on Facebook. I'm not a big social media person, but my daughter wanted me before I lost Zach, probably a month before she wanted me to get on Facebook. She's like, there's so many things I want to tag you in. And, um, and then I just poured myself into trying to find groups for some reason. I had no idea, but I'm like, and I found, I found groups to join of moms who had lost their kids. And I have one in particular, um, prisms of drug, of drug overdose. And, um, Right now, I was I was the one hundredth member. Now we have over a thousand, um, and this is a small group um, of people. But I found so much support in this group because people they understood these mm-hmm. moms got it, you know, um, how I felt, and so I just latched onto them, and I call on my sister mamas, and so they helped me a lot. We were all there for each other. We still are, and then I started going to therapy. My daughter. Uh, made me start therapy, which is a blessing because that really kind of helped me through my grief too. But at the same time, my day-to-day life, I just functioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. How old was Kinley when he died? Kinley was three and a half. Does she remember him? Mm-hmm. She does remember him. And um, we keep his memory alive. Um she and it's just I love it. It's just oh gosh, it's so wonderful because she likes to cook and things, and so um, she'll pop. She'll bring up memories. Remember when Daddy and I used to? I'd help Daddy cook, and I'd sit on the counter, or and so at the same. That's a feeling of just like my whole heart just sinks, but at the same time, I'm like, thank goodness she has these memories. So we have videos of him. We talk about him. Um, you know, we just we will keep his memory alive. Yes. And three and a half is um so young. So young. And so I don't want her memory to fade of him. I want her to be able to still hear his voice. She remembers names that he used little nicknames he called her. And so I love it when a memory pops up into her head without me saying, Do you remember this? Yeah, when she remembers it. So and she was so young. It was uh, that was uh, a heartbreaking experience for me because she had just been at our house Saturday night and spent the night. Um, her mom came and got her Sunday and picked her up, and Zach went to work, and then she never saw her dad again. And how do you explain that to a three and a half year old? I don't know. Like you, it's you know, how do you? You know, he's, I just saw him yesterday or two days ago. And now he's, you know, she had a real hard time understanding that, thinking he was going to come back or, you know. So we talked a lot about heaven. Um, she asked me, you know, why did dad go to heaven? Is he coming back? Is he, you know, and I, how do you explain how he died to a three mm-hmm. and a half year old? And I, you know, so I kind of tried to do a light version of, well, he took medicine and it, you know, I don't even remember how I explained it. But then I was afraid, okay, is she going to be afraid to take medicine now mm. that she's... So, yeah, and I, I still don't think she's grasped it. You know, she doesn't understand it fully to the extent. But but I try to be very honest with her. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but I try to, and on her level, try to explain. So we've had several conversations about it. And we say a daddy prayer. She stays at my house uh, a couple days. And so we have a daddy, uh, 
prayer that we've been saying since she's three and a half. And uh, we do that and we give kisses. And so it's hard. Do you see Zach in her? Yes, she is Zach to a T. I can, <laughs> yeah. She's goofy. She's funny. She's outgoing. Um, there's so many personality traits to the point sometimes I'm like, okay, Zach. And she goes, I'm not Zach. I'm like, yeah, but you're <laughs> acting just like him. You are so funny. <laughs> so, yes, a lot. It's funny because her family, her her mom's family, they're just not like you know, Zach was always performing and so was Haley and we're dancing and stuff. And Kinley's at their house performing on the fireplace, singing a song, and they're like, who is this child? Mm. But I'm used to it because that's how my kids were always just real. Yeah. So she is, she is her dad. And I see the joy in your face yeah. that oh, yeah. that brings you. Definitely. I feel like I was so blessed that he left me Kinley. I, that she has been the biggest blessing, you know, for me because it's a part of Zach. She is a part of Zach that, and not only that, she's just like him. So I just look at her in amazement, and mm -hmm. I feel so blessed he left me her. Yeah. A part of him. What would you tell parents who have a child who's struggling with any kind of a mental health problem and or substance abuse? Be able to have an open discussion with your kids about mental illness and how, how they're feeling. Um, um, for substance use, if you feel like your child is using even marijuana or anything, um, you need to reach out and get counseling with your family. That's where it comes first. It's, you know, this disease is not just one person disease. It's a family disease. And the more love and support that the person struggling can have, the better off and more successful you'll be. And so there's a place called First Call here in Kansas City who's wonderful at that. And I would say reach out to First Call. They help you with counseling. Um, they they just kind of guide you through how to deal with this. You know, instead of, oh, rehab, he needs to rehab, you know. And the counselors at the rehab are just like not helpful in my eyes. Now, maybe rehab would be successful for somebody else. But I just want people to be able to educate themselves on, on mental health and understand, you know, trauma. You know, it's not just anxiety and depression. It could be something that tra traumatic that happened to their child, such as a divorce, even though you think that they're doing okay. Um, it could be bullying, somebody that's being bullied. It could be a breakup with a girlfriend, um, stuff like that. And um Parents need to be able to communicate with their kids and have that open communication. And if you feel as a parent that your something is wrong with your child, then you need to reach out for help. And feel no shame. No shame at all in either instance, mental illness, substance use, no shame. This is going on, and it's gotten a lot worse. So what do you mean it's gotten a lot worse? The... Overdoses. Mm. Uh, we lost 108,000 people um, in 2022 to overdose. And the numbers starting from age 10 to, you know, 
mm. has gone up like 108%. That's staggering. Yes. Um, we now have fentanyl yes. that is coming into our country. Um, kids are buying drugs on Snapchat, social media. You can, you know, um, dea.gov. Um, you can get on there and learn about the different emojis and things. Um, so it's all these different social media um, apps where you can buy drugs and they'll deliver them to your house. <laughs> um, wow. And so we've lost a, a lot of kids. Um, it's getting it's getting worse and worse. The youngest being 10 from from overdose. And why is that? Because there's an underlying mental illness mm. and it's not being dealt with. But you don't know about it maybe or you don't, you know. So kids need to be educated too, I feel, with about mental illness and get the stigma taken away. And that's why I strongly feel like it needs to be talked about in school. So, And they need to have education on mental illness. They talk about sex. Well, kids are already having sex. You know, in health class they mm. talk about all that and how to eat right. But what about your mental health? You know, that is so important. And so for parents, I would just say educate yourself. Be there for your kids. Don't feel any shame and reach out for help. And that is that is so important. You know, just and make a call, first call, first call. And they're on Facebook. Um, you can find them, firstcall.org. Um and don't be afraid to reach out and love your child. Love your child that's struggling. Show them that you understand and have compassion because that's what they need. So, you brought with you um, something for me Narcan nasal spray. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that, why you brought that to me, and what you're doing now educationally. Uh, trying to, um, I'm trying to reduce the stigma associated with substance use, but I'm also trying to educate that people need to have Narcan. Narcan is, um, is medicine that's used for when somebody overdoses and it can save their lives. It saved many lives, but you have to have it right away. So I brought you Narcan because I think everyone should be carrying it. Um, you never know. I think schools should have it. I think Teachers need to be educated on, on overdose and how to, how to administer Narcan. It's very easy. Um, it's in a package. You squirt it up their nose. That could save a life. So I brought that for you. And so I also want to say that First Call will hand out Narcan. And I think everybody should at least have that in their, in their purse, in their car, in their homes, have it readily available. Because you never know. Well, and then with the numbers that you just told us, yes. that's I'm still reeling from that a little bit. I knew that it had gone up dramatically. Yeah. We don't have the numbers from 2022 yet. Mm. That's two. That's 2021 numbers. I okay. think I might have said 22. Um, we don't have the numbers for 22 yet, but it's going to be more. So that was 108,000 in 2021. Yes. And... The DEA since 2023 has seized over 4,500,000 fentanyl pills in the United States and over 800 pounds of fentanyl powder, 
which is enough to uh, kill 23 million people. And that's in 2023? Yes. Yeah, so that's it's just since January. Like that. Yes. To be clear, by the time this airs, it will be several months down the road, but it's, that's only a few weeks ago. Right. Wow. And that's so far. So, and then um, in Kansas City, fentanyl um, recovered is up 41% in Missouri and Kansas. This is in Missouri and Kansas. So people, I, I think the problem too that I see a lot is I try to reach out and talk to people. Like I'm on Facebook groups like that talk about education, you know, with maybe Jackson County education groups or uh, the Lee Summit School District is where my son went and my kids. Um, and I try to share these things with them. People don't want to hear it. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they want to believe that their child would ever do this. It's almost like until it happens to you, then it's really, you know, oh, my child would never do that. But you can't say that. You right. can never say not my child ever. When Zach was young, would you have ever thought that he would get into drugs? No. No, I thought he'd probably party, but I thought that would be it. I didn't think it would get to that point of being. But I also didn't understand how addictive um, these pills are, um, the the painkillers. You know, you can become addicted to those in five days or less, three to five days. You can have an addiction to them, and it rewires your brain. So some people are able to take these, you know, if they – you know, or prescribe this, or or some people are able to buy it, you know, illegally and take it. And they don't, they're able to not become addicted. But the most part, people become addicted. Right. Because it is so strong, you know, um, and it just rewires their brain. So the, the pain, to take away the pain is what it's for. But then it rewires your brain to where it becomes you need it to survive. It's a matter of survival. And my understanding, at least a few years ago when my kids were still in high school, was that the number one place kids get um, painkillers or um, narcotics is in their parents' medicine cabinets. Parents' medicine cabinets. Is that still the case? That's part of it, yeah. It can happen. You know, you do, you know, you take something – yeah, you, know, you go to the doctor, they give you but now that they've come up with different laws now. Right. Where you can only have so many days worth of pills, but you may not take them all, but they're just sitting. Right. And that's where it can start too. I would worry about that, you know, just medication sitting around the house or I mean, or my husband if he was on something or, you know, had to take you know, um I would hide it. Sure. During Zach's use, because I knew he would find it if he and take it. Yeah, it's so that's wonderful to know. I didn't know that. It's a relatively new program, so yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. Yes. What have I not asked you that you want to to make sure that the listeners know? You know, I know that my son had a substance use problem. I want them to know it's a disease. And it is labeled a disease. It's a curable disease, but it's a long, hard road. You know, it's like, you know, it's like having sugar diabetes or just like having cancer. A lot of people, their stigma associated with it is, oh, you know, no, it's not a disease. It's a choice. No, it's labeled a disease. And I want parents to know that 
you have to be diligent. You can't just assume that your kids are never going to do this. Um, you've got to talk to them. You've got to educate yourself. Um, I want them to know that social media is probably the worst possible thing that your child could be on for many reasons. Uh, number one is that a lot of kids are dying uh, from one pill mm. because they are getting on Snapchat and they're buying uh, what they think is like a benzo, which is, you know, for anxiety or to help you sleep or um, any kind of drug. And it's laced with fentanyl or it's pure fentanyl. So there's, they're buying something on Snapchat or Instagram or anything thinking that they're getting um, maybe a, a, a Xanax and it's pure fentanyl. So um, kids are, parents are finding their kids up in their rooms. And they had no idea that their kids were using, and maybe they weren't. But you have to also ask yourself, too, why was this child reaching out to buy this drug in the first place? What's going on? You know, so, um, but one pill can kill because it's laced with fentanyl. And that's what's happening now all over the country. And it does not discriminate. It doesn't happen to you know, lower socioeconomic kids. As a matter of fact, it's a lot happening with the kids that have, you know, or more, you know, their parents have money and they have the money to buy it. Um, so it doesn't discriminate. It's not based on color. It's not somebody's race. Um, and so you have to just be aware and talk to your kids and get them help. Don't be afraid to get them help. And I know another thing is marijuana. That's the biggie. You know, kids smoking weed, and it's okay. But the THC levels now that are in weed, it's hard to find. So I found information. The weed back in the 70s, 2% was the, was in the weed in the, th, you know, the THC mm -hmm. level. Which is the addictive right. part it's of the, marijuana. Right. It's the psy psychoactive compound. Okay. So now it's, and you can't, I don't know, I tried to research it, but the THC levels in marijuana now is upwards 25, 35, even 90 to 100%, depending on what you're getting. Because you've got, now you've got your gummies, you've got um, all, they have stuff called tar um, that you can get, which is just the THC. Mm. And is that part legal now what i was going to say is oh and we we're legalizing this across the country right missouri has legalized it yep. and so it's now it's just going to get worse you know and and fentanyl has been found in marijuana i have a sister mama who's in our group and her her son lost his life from smoking weed because fentanyl was in it mm. and he didn't know that so um it's it's just crazy what all's going on. So they can smoke it, you know, like they do a blunt or a joint. They have um, what they call dabs. Um, so it's, they call it butter, wax, shatter, hash oil. You can buy it. Um, and it's sometimes it's in stores. Like, too, you need to really kind of know, like, even convenience stores. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to really educate yourself on that too, to know, but basically it's the THC level is mm -hmm. what you're, you know, and it's causing a lot of psychosis and, and addiction, 
which is making it worse, you know, because of the high THC levels. And we've, we're legalizing this. And now we're legalizing <laughs> it. So it's mm. just going to get, it's just going to get worse. I know the DEA detectives um, talked to me about this because they were, they said once this happens, then um, the, the drugs are going to get, because let's just say marijuana and things from came across the border because it was illegal. Well, now that it's legal, you know, we're upping and you can see that we've got the border crisis and all the fentanyl that's coming over and cocaine and heroin because they don't have to ship marijuana anymore because it's all legal here. Right. And so now, now we have this big rush of, you know, but that's a whole different topic because sure. it's a political topic. Right. <laughs> yes. And I don't um, do political topics. Yes. So. <laughs> and so, but it's, but it's, but it's just getting, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just, so I just, all I can say is for parents that I don't know, you know, you can, you can look at your kids in high school and say, oh, he's, you know, he's experimenting. He's just smoking weed and, you know, and maybe it is, maybe it's a thing. Beware, beware of the consequences, beware of the addiction, beware of the mental health going on and educate yourself. That's all I can say. And I do have some, I'd mentioned first call, which yes. is very important. And I will put that in the show notes too. And I do have different sites that I can give you to. Shatteredproof.org is okay. another good organization. Songforcharlie.org. Okay. Um, and Keeping Clean for Coop. And okay. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm -mm. Okay, so she's a gal. Her son bought a pill off off of Snapchat and um it had fentanyl in it and he died. And she's from Kansas here. Okay. Overland Park, I think, or something. But okay. we did do a DEA family conference together. So she has started now that organization. Okay. And I'll give you all that information. And I will put all of those in the show notes so that yeah. the listeners can easily access those websites for more information. Yes. Thank you for that. Beth this has been an incredible conversation. Sitting here face to face mm. with you. That's something I, I don't want any parent to ever have to go through. It just changes you. I, I, I compare myself to the before and after. So I'm not the same person I was. I'm not sure who that person is now, but I know the real me is long gone. So I'm trying to figure out who, who the real me is. Yeah. It's hard. And I've watched your face as we were having this conversation and seeing the pain, the indescribable pain. Yeah. And then seeing the joy when you talked about your granddaughter. Oh, definitely. And one thing that I would, I guess, want the listeners to hear is that it's been almost four years since yes. you lost Zach, but yet you're, you go on somehow. You go on. You stay by day. You, you know, you have your good days. You have your bad days when it's weighing on your mind more, where you miss them. You know, it might get a little easier, but it doesn't. It's hard to explain until you're, you know, in the middle of it and you're experiencing it. 
the pain never goes away. I just feel like I always have a a big cinder block on my chest because a big chunk of my heart's gone. Um, but I know I have to go on. I have two other children. And I know this is what Zach would want me to do. And I have my grandchildren. And like I said, his daughter is my big motivator because about the time I start thinking I can't do this, I think, wait, Zach would want me to do this for Kenley. And so she has been my motivator, honestly, to get up every day. And I just hope, you know, by talking to and telling Zach's story and trying to give, I can't give advice because everybody has a different story. Right. Um, everybody, I, you know, I can't talk to somebody and tell them, well, what should you do? Um, like I said, with all my sister mamas, we, we all have different stories about how our kids, um, their substance use was, and, but we have the same outcome and it's, we lost them. So, um, we can't, I can't give advice, but I can just, I can give you resources. Yes. And that's my goal is to share my story so that somebody else doesn't have to go through this, maybe, or can catch it before it becomes that. And to, you know, to let people understand that mental, Ill, mental illness and substance use go hand in hand. And typically what happens is there's a mental, underlying mental illness, and then kids and people start to self-medicate, you know, to help that mental illness, anxiety, depression, trauma. So educating on mental illness is top priority, but also educating yourself on substance use and what's out there, keeping, mm -hmm. um, knowing what's going on, emojis, uh, where are they getting it from, how are they getting it. Um, and I just, what's scary is it's just going to get worse, and that scares me. Well, you're doing your part by sharing your story, and I know that there are people who will benefit from listening to this episode of Just a Mom because you are willing to be here and talk about the things that you've talked about in this episode. Well, thank you. I hope so. Um, I, I hope that I, by me telling my story, can help another parent or child going through this and to realize, oh, I'm not alone. You know, that's the biggest right. thing is you are not alone You're and not, not alone. to be, not to be ashamed. Reach out for help. Yeah. Yeah. Beth, thank you mm -hmm. so very much for being willing to be open and honest and vulnerable about your journey. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I, anytime. Thank you. Yeah. I really do appreciate you being on this episode of the Just a Mom podcast. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.